Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All fans and citizens of Perfectville everywhere, it's that time of year again. Oh, yes, it is. All eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest open now at Bet Online. That's right, $200,000 NFL Survivor contest. You can find that at betonline.ag. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, citizens of Perfectville, 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of the opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the season opener against the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded. Up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. That's right. You get your money back even if you pick the wrong team. You can't beat that. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect, though. Welcome to Perfect Bill, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, now part of the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. I am Sam Marcu, and he, well, he's the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? I'm really good since we're counting syllables. Buddy, it's game week. Are you kidding me? Like, we got a guest today. I'll tease it real quick. We got a guest. I'm sitting here. It's almost Friday. There's NFL football tonight. We are recording Thursday. First game of the season, defending champs, Tampa Bay Bucks against the Cowboys. Dude, it's literally Christmas on steroids. I even took Monday off because we have a 4 p.m. Eastern game just so I can just revel in, in the day and either be very sad and drink or really happy and drink. Well, as you talked about, it's Christmas in September, which makes sense because we do have a guest here and he's going to be singing carols uh, in segment number two. Of course, we're talking about former Miami Dolphins player Nolan Carroll is going to join us. He's going to talk about the current team, going to talk about, you know, his career He's going to talk about what he's doing now. And of course, Nolan Carroll, there's some trivia. There's some really, really good trivia. And we're going to see if Nolan Carroll knows his own trivia. Uh, when he joins us here in segment number two, we're going to put his feet to the fire. We're going to talk to him about the Patriots game, the Dolphins game this weekend, who's going to win and really just what the score is going to be uh, and a whole bunch more with Nolan Carroll coming up <clears throat> in just a little bit. But we're I love how you mentioned like, like, I love you mentioned like, is he going to remember like we have Joe Namath on? We're like, remember in the Roaring Twenties when you were in high school? He's like 34 years old. I think he'll remember a couple of years ago. <laughs> He might. I don't know. I mean, I can't remember if we even did a show last week or not. This might be the third time we recorded this week and you're just, you know, pandering to me going, okay, we'll do it again because the old man can't remember. But uh, you're right. He probably remembers. He's a smart guy. He's, He's actually quite brilliant. But we'll get there. We're not there yet. Until then. It's now Sam and Chris's time, and we're going to talk about all things Miami Dolphins right now because there's, once again, I've said this, I don't know how many times, Chris, 
just so much going on for the Miami Dolphins. You're right. It is week one. We do have the Patriots. But before we actually talk about the game itself, we have to talk about the team, Chris, because once again, the Miami Dolphins making news, social media, you know, warriors are out there screaming their heads off. I'm going to put some time on the clock here and let's just get to it. Are you ready? Born ready, my friend. Born ready. Well, uh, he's born ready. That sounds like a leader to me. That sounds like a captain, if you will. <laughs> but somebody who is not a captain for the Miami Dolphins this season is Tua Tungavailoa. Um, lots of media chatter, social media chatter, everything else sort of chatter about the fact that the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins is not voted a team captain here. Chris, is this a big story? Is this a little story? Is this even a story? with Tua Tungavailoa not being a captain for the Miami Dolphins. It's as big as a story as Patrick Laird not being our captain. Um, doesn't matter. <laughs> like, do we remember who the captain was for Tampa last year, the four or five? Like, no one cares. They won the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. Um, if you look at it, um, Xavier Howard's not a captain. Mike Gusecki's not a captain. Christian Wilkins, not a captain. Um, Byron Jones, not a captain. But we're only worried about Tua Tungo Bailoa. Those are all veteran superstars on our team. The other captains on our team, you know, Eric Rowe, Mac Collins, guys, these are all guys with five, six years of experience. McCordy just got here like last week and he's a captain because he's played for 34 years. He's played as long as Nolan Carroll's been alive. So, of course, he's a captain. He's like limping around with a cane. We're never getting him on the show, but <laughs> maybe we can get his twin brother. Um, yeah, it, I don't think it matters at all. Mac Collins came out actually jumped ahead of the media people and mentioned, you know, like people are going to bring up that two is not, this isn't a big deal. He leads by example. He's been completely different than he was last year. It's just Twitter, Twitter trolls, um, you know, getting excited over nothing. We just need the game to get here. That's all we need. You know, this happened a few years ago when Ryan Tannehill was not voted the captain. And I think it, we, we looked at it as somewhat of a concern and maybe it shouldn't be to your point. I don't even know what a captain does. They stand out at the you know midfield before the game. They say heads or tails, and then they go back to their team and they execute the game plan that's been given to them. What does a team captain actually do other than wear the patch and, uh, you know, defer to the second half kickoff? Like what is what are the responsibilities of our team captains beyond that? Yeah, other than like watching Hard Knocks when we're on it and they have like that captain's like corner with like Jake Long and Dansby and Reggie Bush and Philbin completely hated it. Yeah, we went five and 11 that year. Like that didn't <laughs> right. really work out Who for cares? us. Like you said, doesn't Bill Belichick have like a different set of captains every week and it's all like former players of the it's, team they're playing? Like it's it, usually it the matter. former players of the team you know, that, that they were on before they came to the New England Patriots. And if you look at what the Miami Dolphins have done here week one, wouldn't you know it if there's a lot of former New England Patriots on there as well? Bingo. That's what I mean. I mean, to the point where like Belichick, I think like sends out somebody's like exchange ex-wife as a captain just to get in their head before a game. That's all this is. Tua doesn't get to wear a little patch on his jersey. He doesn't care. He's healthy off a hip injury, got a full training camp. He's ready to go and prove doubters wrong. It doesn't matter if his jersey has a little added. But let's all just pitch in and get him a patch from Patch Vibes. Send it his way. We're good to go. I was going to say the exact same thing. I mean, he can get that patch from Patch Vibes over at patchvibes.com if he really, really wants to get a captain's patch on his he can jersey. He can get two. He can get two. Sam, he can, he can fuck captain. around and get five he and just lie in the back of his name with five captaincies, and he's a fucking five captain. He's like the infinity gauntlet of captain captainship. 
I like it. I, I like it a lot. I think that's what we should do. We should petition to have patch fives just sent to a tongue of Iloa a bunch of patches. Or you know what? Send the to a tongue of Iloa patch and he could just put that patch on his own jersey. Like this is my fucking jersey. Just change his I number. All these guys are changing their numbers now. No more number one. He's just the C. Yeah. Just his number is C. There you go. He just changed his last name from Tongue of Iloa to Captain. And then it would just be on his jersey no to matter a captain. what. Who a captain? Yeah, yeah I uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Again, I don't know what the responsibilities are. I mean, is he taking attendance? Is he making sure that lights out are happening? Is he making everybody's lunch? Is he in charge of snacks? What is it that makes a team captain a team captain? He's showing up really- at Tootsie's at three a.m. and like grabbing Javon Holland. All right, rookie, get back to your hotel room. We got studying to do. Yeah, no more strippers and whores, rookie. You got to go home. We have to play the New England Patriots. No, I mean it's it's uh, quite frankly, if he's if he's going into Tootsie's this week, he's he's missed the plane because we're playing in New England, but. Uh, we'll get there. Um, I just don't see what the big deal is. I mean, as Tua said, he he says he turned it down, and he's more interested in Ws than he is Cs. I don't know if he turned it down or not. It doesn't sound like I think that's maybe him just kind of covering, but maybe he wasn't interested because I think what Mac Holland said was, if you are interested in being a team captain, you literally put your name into the hat. So maybe Tua just didn't put his name in the hat, and everyone's like, "Hey, man, you should do it." Use the team. He's like, "No, nah, I don't need that. I'm not, I don't care about that." I'm interested in what his leadership qualities are. And if you look at what he's doing on the sideline, he's starting to pull offensive linemen off, you know, when they, when they miss an assignment and he's talking to them, he's coaching to them, he's leading the offense. I don't care about him being a captain. I care about him being a leader. And I think those are two different things. Uh, we should talk to Nolan Carroll about this. I think because he was actually a team captain for the university of Maryland. So uh, we'll hear it straight from a player's mouth, whether this is a big deal or not just a little bit later here on welcome to Perfectville. but I don't think it's a big deal. Neither do you, uh, which means we can move on. We can move on to other topics here. There's other news for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this actually, thank God for the Captain Gate, because before that, we were talking about COVID Gate. Once again, uh, Adam Shaheen, one of the 17 tight ends that we have on the Miami Dolphins roster, um, tested positive for COVID-19. He is an anti-masking, anti-vaxxing tight end. So really no surprise that he he landed on COVID. I think this is the second time on the COVID list. Uh, most likely not going to be available for this weekend's game. Neither is left tackle Austin Jackson. Now, Austin Jackson is a vaccinated player, but he tested positive for COVID-19 as well. Uh, you can make a case that maybe it's better if Austin Jackson isn't on the field this weekend, uh, especially considering the defensive ends that the Patriots have. Again, we'll talk about that game in segment number three. But uh, what are your thoughts with Adam Shaheen, whether you agree with his take or not? We can also agree, we can agree that his opinion on whether to take a vaccination or not is now directly harming this Miami Dolphins team and what should the Miami Dolphins do about it going forward? Yeah, it's a fine line because you brought up Austin Jackson who's vaccinated and he's out the same game. So it's like, is he really because of his choice harming? Like it's still a possibility. We're dealing with this on the middle school level where if you test positive, you're out uh, 10 days. If you're close contact, it's 14, you miss two games and you're not even sick. Like there's kids, they came out with the numbers. It was like, we had like 560 kids in quarantine, like 75 actually got it. So that means you're putting 400 something kids, healthy kids locked in their room for two weeks with no virtual option and missing two football games or athletics. If they're playing them, it's, it's a fine line. You know, if you just take politics out of it and completely just talk about a vaccine and not agreed. And this is coming out fully say I'm fully vaccinated. Like I, my whole family is. So I have no, there's no dog in this fight. I'm not anti anything. I'm not for, I want people to make their own decision, their own choice. I also have the smallpox vaccine. 
And I also have the chickenpox vaccine. People get vaccines. That's what happens. He's choosing not to. Um, I think it was something like 70% uh, of unvaccinated players have a better chance to get it and test positive than, than non. So this is something that I hope your juice is worth the squeeze. Adam Shaheen, one of 17 tight ends that we have. Are you going to be okay if in week three, four, this happens again and it's going to finally come down to it. You got to go because it's just not the juice is not worth the squeeze. And I think that's, that's the fine line. I think he might be tiptoeing that line at this point where if this were to happen again, week three, week four, week 10, whatever the case you, that's the difference here for, for everybody is like, you, you can't really put those guys in pen as a starting, you know, uh, person on your team or as a contributor, because at any point, even if they just get exposed, considering because they're not vaccinated, they're gone. They're off your roster for a number of days, which means it makes it really hard to rely on those guys when you're game planning. And Adam Shaheen has shown a lot of talent. He's actually shown a lot of chemistry with Tua Tungabailoa. So him not being available for Tua actually is a little bit of an issue. Um, You know, of course, we have Mike Kosicki. We have Hunter Long. We have, I think, Troy Drayton is back on the team. You know, we have so many tight ends that I don't think it necessarily matters. Yeah. I mean, it's just, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, if you can't be relied on to be there, then why are you even here? And I think that's really the big thing is does Adam Shaheen risk his own career here for the Miami Dolphins because of this? And I think it's a very real possibility that if he were to get sick again or be exposed again, that that's going to be the line. And that will be it for uh, Adam Shaheen for the Miami Dolphins. Well, and I don't know how I can't verify this, but I did see it on Twitter. Uh, I think it was Joe Shad is one of our reporters. He is the only unvaccinated player on the Miami Dolphins. Like out of 50 plus guys, he's the only one at the point in time. It's going to come when Brian Flores goes, dude, 50 plus same liked in same mind, like like-minded people agree to this, but you, it becomes a point where it's just like, dude, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of the Miami Dolphins team, there is a guy who was on the Miami Dolphins and probably was not vaccinated, but he's no longer on the Miami Dolphins and he's probably still not vaccinated. And of course, we're talking about the biggest fan of Jack Nicholson and Deshaun Watson, former Miami Dolphin linebacker Vince Beagle was already out with an injury. Um, but we took him off the IR, Chris, and cut him. He's free to go anywhere else now. He'll probably show up on another team uh, and play for them sometime this season. But Vince Beagle, uh, the guy we traded Kiko Alonso for, a guy that we were fans of his first year with the Miami Dolphins, somewhat of an overachiever, uh, no longer with the Miami Dolphins. And the only thing I have to say is goodbye from Perfectville to Vince Beagle. Your thoughts, Chris, about Vince Beagle no longer being a Miami Dolphins player. Yeah, when your last name is uh, named after a very soft, small puppy, like there's just not anything. Or like those chips you put in your fingers, the bugles, like it's very close. We already have Van Ginkle. We already have, you know, these other guys, you know, a sealer. We don't need uh, uh, this guy, like soft puppy. Like you can go play somewhere else. You didn't want, you didn't want to support Tua. You're probably Armando Soguero's mouthpiece. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself, but uh, that's a line from the departed. He did the Jack Nicholson thing. Come on. That was good. Good connection. Uh, goodbye from per- perfect Bill. Literally not worth wasting precious moments on our week one podcast. Uh, if he loves Deshaun Watson so much, I mean, I hear Houston is hiring players right now. So, you know, good luck there. You can sit on the sidelines with Deshaun Watson all season long and, you know, 
talk about your favorite movie quotes, I suppose. Um, but uh, that being said, that is our segment here. Segment number one, we talked about Tua captaincy, whether it's an issue or not. Adam Shaheen, whether him being sick or not is an issue, it is. And Vince Beagle being cut, uh, which is not an issue for the Miami Dolphins. He wasn't going to play this season for the Miami Dolphins anyways. We wish him well in his future endeavors. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to pay some bills. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Nolan Carroll. One of the most interesting men in, in, in the universe right now. Uh, football might be like number five or number six on his list of things that are interesting about this guy. We're going to get into all that. He's going to give us his prediction for the Patriots Dolphins this weekend, uh, as well as everything else Nolan Carroll related. We'll be back right after these words. Psst, citizens of Perfectville, can you keep a secret? Exciting news. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for a contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between the NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Yeah, that's right. Sunglasses and shoes. What else do you need? Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Uh, he is the former defensive back and special teams ace for the Miami Dolphins, and he's joining us now here on the town of Perfectville. Of course, we're talking about Nolan Carroll. Nolan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself, man? Sam? We are doing quite well. It is uh, week one of the 2021 NFL season. So as a fan, both Chris and I are just basically looking at the clock, looking at the calendar, trying to get to Sunday for the Dolphins and the Patriots, uh, which I'm really glad you're here because you have a different perspective. You played in the league. You played for the Dolphins. You played against the Patriots. Uh, what was it like for you week one, uh, just knowing that you're a couple days away from uh, opening day? What, what's it like for from the player's mindset, uh, knowing that you got a game coming up and the season is starting? Yeah, definitely. I, I really think it starts with relief because you spend that whole offseason getting ready for camp. You go through the grind of camp. It's a wear and tear mentally and physically. And then you start seeing light at the end of the tunnel. After the last preseason game, you know who your teammates are. You know the guys that you're going to be riding with for during that season, 17, well, now 18 weeks, I believe. Now they had another game. So you know who you're going to be with the entire season. You know who now your opponent is that you can really focus on. And you begin to get excited. And I know it's almost mirror image, it seems like. I had to face the Patriots week one as well, too, and getting ready to play them. Obviously, it's not the same quarterback. It's a different quarterback now, but I always used to get excited because we knew we were playing against the best, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And you really, for a game like that, everything gets heightened. Everything means more. It's a division game right out the break. Those things mean a lot if you're able to win them early. And, and I really believe that with the pieces Miami has now put together quietly, they've actually stole a couple pieces from New England. I believe that those guys really believe that this is the year and you can sense it. This is the year that they can really take hold of this division or at least gain ground because they were almost there. They're working through bumps and bruises. But, you know, as a player, now you begin to have that confidence because you see every single piece together and 
you begin to get really excited about what is to come, but you really focus on week one to, to really set that precedence for the rest of the season. Hey, Nolan, so you, you brought up uh, training camp. Obviously, you had normal training camps your whole career. Give <laughs> yeah. us a player's perspective coming from, like a lot of people talking about Tua and these young guys that didn't get that last year and how mm-hmm. much of a difference it is this year for him to get a full training camp, uh, be, being with the trainers every day, with the coaches and meetings. Um, a lot of fans and the talking heads on Good Morning Football and stuff can talk on it, but what's a player's perspective? Like, could you imagine going through a training camp, especially a rookie, without having having the uh, the gift of any of that? Yeah, I really think that's it was very difficult for him. It was a lot on his plate that the expectations were so high because of where he was drafted and the hopes and and the standard of living up to guys of the past, Greasy, Marino, and coming in and not having that coach every single day trying to critique you and help you and not really being able to go through OTAs and being around the veteran wide receivers, being around your O-line, that limits you in a way. And, and Dolphins fans have to remember, if you're a young quarterback, and any team has to remember, if you're a young quarterback, the most you need is reps and you also need a relationship with your team. And if you're, you can't do that by Zoom, you know, you can't really do that by restrictions either. So the fact that they were so on him and already counting him out for one coming back is how he has. It's hard to come back for an injury like that. Being able to come in, try and play and have to go through all that stuff that happened and then having to basically go through it again with limited reps to try and perform. I think now is really the first year you've seen too. His attitude has changed. My, my barber, uh, Greg Young is, is his barber as well. And he's been telling me his spirits are just, through the roof. He feels confident. He has a better attitude. There's not the weight of the world on his shoulders. And that just comes down to him being around the coaches, being around the players, being in that an environment where he has that support system 24 seven. So I believe for him, just being able to have that experience and going through those rough patches he did early on is going to help him in his career, especially this season. I love that too. We got the insight too. The bartenders and barbers have all the best stories. So the fact that uh, you got the same barbers too, we got to get your barber on here one of these days and uh, and uh, get the scoop on players past and present. Hey, um, a lot of controversy. I'll get them on. Yeah, uh, th- you were a captain for Maryland uh, in your college career, right? You were you were voted team captain. Yes, I was. So I was. Yes, sir. This week. It came out that Tua Tungabailoa is not a team captain for the Miami Dolphins. Now, this happened before with Ryan Tannehill, and it became a big deal. And uh, we, there was concern if your quarterback, because it is a quarterback-driven league, is not a team captain, then maybe there's something wrong there. And I think even last year, every single team had their starting quarterback as a team captain. The Miami Dolphins haven't done that. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, now, from the player's perspective, I'm sure it was an honor for you to be a team captain, especially for college, but... Is this a big deal? Is this a controversy for the Miami Dolphins that Tua is not a team captain, or is this just a non-story? This is a non-story. They're just fishing. Honestly, the players vote for their captains, and they feel like they're the ones that exemplify greatness on and off the field. And I'm not saying Tua hasn't done that, but I'm saying there are guys that are older than him that have been there. A guy like McCourty that has won Super Bowls before. Right. You know, you got guys on on – uh, excuse me. Yeah, defense side of the ball, like Eric Rowe as well. He's another guy that has experience winning games, winning them at the highest level. On the offensive side, they're still trying to figure it out. But you got guys like Kaseki, you got guys like Tua, you got guys like Albert Wilson. Those guys can still be captains in a way by their leadership. It's not necessarily just having the patch on your jersey. And that's what we need to get away from is this materialistic thing of 
if he doesn't have the C on his jersey, he's not important to the team. He can't leave the team. That's not true. The ball starts with Tua and it pretty much ends with Tua. He's the one that has to make those decisions out there. And you have to know everybody on that team knows who the guy is. They know who their leader is. The same, like you referred to Tannehill. We knew he was our quarterback. We knew he had to lead us. We never saw him less of anything because somebody else was a captain. You know, I didn't care if Carlos Dansby was a captain. I didn't care if Kevin Burnett was a captain. And I didn't care if Rashad Jones was a captain. We didn't care about any of that or even Reggie Bush. We cared about none of that. We just cared about, look, when it comes time to lead the team, are you capable of doing that? And you get the players respect in that aspect. You don't have to worry about wearing a seat. You know, that'll come later on down the road that your respect will be earned that way. So you just let your play do the talking like he has done and just let him perform and have fun out there. He made a good point. Uh, Xavier Howard's not a captain. Gusecki's not a captain, but we only, you know, hone in on the, the quarterback, which uh, good or bad, it's the quarterback driven league, like Sam mentioned. Um, what do you think? Uh, not talking about Tua, everybody says, well, Tua has to do good for this team to go to the playoffs. Let's take Tua out of the equation. They had a really good defense last year and led the league in turnovers. That's tough to do again and repeat. What do you think, other than quarterback, is the strong, the, the, the group on the Dolphins that really has to either stay the same or get better for us to really reach the next level? Well, I, I think it's a tiered system, and if you really look at the defense now, they've added key pieces. Jason Jenkins, one of my friends that they put on the D-line, who was in Miami previously, but he's every year you've seen he's gotten progressively better. So to put him on the D-line is, is a huge piece. Like I said, McCourty as well, bringing that veteran leadership, as well as Eric Rowe having another year being comfortable, basically being that rover safety guy, nickel guy. He's done it. I played with him in Philly, and he was just now learning how to do that. And as he got to New England and then came to Miami, you've seen how he's just been able to skyrocket. Once again, Xavier Howard's the man. you got to treat him like that. He's a top corner in my eyes. I was just having this debate with one of my buddies last week. It hasn't been done in a long time having 10 picks in the NFL. You don't just get that by accident. you got to give a guy his props, and you really got to build around him and, and make sure that he stays a key piece there. And he's able to lock down one side of the field and allows you to do everything else on the other side. You know, they just drafted a young guy, Javon Holland, who I think is – comparable to Rashad Jones you know he's a young guy that's still learning and I played with Rashad and I understand we both came in together so to see how he is and just see a little bit in the game once he starts getting that experience getting that comfort learns from Eric Rowe I really honestly believe he can shoot through the roof and then Van Kinkle is his name he's the he's the man he's the guy that I think is I have seen him make plays and be underappreciated but if he was anywhere else in the league I think he'd be one of those guys you have to consider as a very instinctive linebacker. When Nita plays throughout the season, he's just come up with crazy plays, and, and I think now he'll get his just due. You know, I, I think that the whole linebacking group as core as a group is is people that they know how to be leaders on that defense and be that anchor. And I think if they all can continue to be cohesive as a unit, they can really take the AFC by by surprise. I really think so. Let me ask you that. You, you just mentioned something that uh, is intriguing, and I think a lot of, of our uh, of our fans here are probably shaking their head in agreement. You said if Van Ginkle was anywhere else in the league, uh, he would essentially be considered uh, hey, a household name. Yep. But uh, since he's in Miami, that's maybe not the case, and he's and he's overlooked. Why is that? Is that is that the feeling amongst players? Is that if you're playing in Miami, you're just not going to get the respect you deserve? I don't think it's respect. I think just more about attention. You know, I, I remember when I was down in Miami and I was playing well in Miami, but nobody really knew who I was. 
in Miami. And then when I got to Philadelphia, it's like, oh my God, why why was he not playing like this all the time? I was like, guys, I was playing like that before I left. So it's like, how could you not know? I just think it's when people think Miami, they think party town, they think beach. That's, that's all they think about. And they they take for granted the, the actual talent that's on the Dolphins. Dolphins have always had talent throughout the years. It's just never really gotten the attention it deserves. And when you see guys go to other places, it's no surprise that people are like, oh, these guys are actually really good. It's all about exposure. And I just think as the season progresses, and I think that the more competitive, and if they can be in the top in the AFC South, excuse me, the AFC East, they can be, they can get that attention because you have Buffalo, you have New York that they're having these high hopes for. They're saying the Patriots are going to be back because of Mac Jones. So we're going to see that, look, if they can basically win four games, four go four and two in the division, people will start to talk just like they were with Buffalo. When Buffalo started getting that momentum and being competitive, you see how it is now. Now people are thinking Buffalo is going to win a division when obviously if you asked five years ago, it'd be like, that's absolutely crazy. So it's just that respect factor. It's you playing well enough to get that exposure and earning the right for people to think, okay, the Miami Dolphins are for real. You know, they're not just a team that has guys that just want a vacation all day. Yeah, it's funny, Nolan, you mentioned the AFC South. I honestly believe we belong in the AFC South just geographically. It makes sense. Correction, yes, it does. <laughs> but 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 as a uh, player, let, let me ask you this. We got New England week one in New England, so they don't get that home field advantage of the snow and the cold at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, we we in, well, I'm a, a South Florida guy. I know you're from Florida as well. So that heat, man. I remember a game a few years ago making the Steelers play in black jerseys. Lawrence Timmons like puking at the five-yard line or something because it was yeah. so hot. Would you say it's more of an advantage with the heat as opposed to the cold because you got to play New York and Buffalo in New England which is the bigger advantage as far as uh, a home team honestly there is no advantage it's just who really shows up on Sunday because when I was with Philbin and Sperano they used to always just say the heat's going to get them but the heat would get us as well too. So it really balances out, you know, so it's not really an advantage. That damn indoor facility, yeah. right? That only yeah. works if you <laughs> go practice in the heat, right? Like if you just think it's exactly. going to be hotter on them, it ain't going to work. Exactly. Right? But we've also won games in Buffalo where it's been snowing, you know, so it's, it's and the same in New York has been raining, it's cold and we ended up winning the game, you know? So I, I just think early on it's an advantage because not everybody has perfected their game plan or their team yet. That's the advantage of playing week one against the division opponent is, yeah. If you do win, you're not going to see them again until later in the season. You don't know how the season is going to go and progress and what it's going to come down to. So if you're able to get that first win, basically, in, in whether that's perfect for both teams, even though it's, at a, a, it's an away game, Miami just has to come in with a mindset that, look, we have to dominate. We don't care where we're playing. We just got to be competitive. We don't have to keep it close. Let's get after this young quarterback. Let's try and exploit this defense. Because in, the, in a way, New England is still rebuilding. I don't care what people are saying about pieces here and there and Bill Belichick just being here. They still have a young quarterback that has to prove he can play in this league. Look, you can't say the New England Patriots are where they were before because you can't take Tom Brady off that team and put just about anybody else that maybe not, you know, outside of Aaron Rodgers and say they're exactly where they were before. They have a doughy, fat 
rookie quarterback. At some point, <laughs> not only is the team in rebuild mode, but he's going to have to be rebuilt as well. Because yeah. you know, if he gets if he gets Emmanuel Ogba just hitting him from the side, I mean, we're going to hear an audible gasp, and then we're not going to see Mac Jones anymore. I mean, <laughs> the team is in a little bit of a rebuild now. They've got a lot of talent. You still have Bill Belichick, so you know you yeah. can't discount them at all. Um, but you talked about the Patriots. That was your first game as a rookie. Uh, you talked about winning in Buffalo, playing in New York. I can't not bring up New York and you know where I'm going with this, but uh, if I'm going to give you a name and I just want you to tell us, walk us through the play, walk us through the mindset, Sal Alosi, strength and conditioning coach, New York Jets. What He's happened? the best friend. He's the best friend I never had, you know, but um, the play as on special teams, as a gunner on the outside, you're always taught that your best friend is the sideline. And if you can, if you're getting doubled, like I was, if you're getting doubled, use the sideline to your advantage. Try and get outside and run as far as you can, as fast as you can on the sideline and not be in the field of play. Well, everybody in the NFL knows that. And they try and set up guys here and there to cause traffic to slow you down. Basically like having 30 extra blockers on the sideline just to disrupt you so the returner can get the ball. As for me, my whole thought process was, let me get out of bounds. Let me use a sideline to my advantage, like I said. But as I was running, I just saw a green wall. And I knew that tr- my trajectory coming back in bounds, I knew I was not going to hit that wall. And as I kept running, I just remember somebody's knee getting extended further and further. And as I got closer, I just remember my knee kind of caving in. And I stumble, fall. My knee is hurting my quad is hurting I'm wondering I'm thinking to myself I just got tripped because I know I'm not that unathletic to fall like that and I remember the trainers coming over and they're asking me what happened what went wrong I said that somebody tripped me they're looking at me crazy like nobody tripped you you just you ran into somebody or you tripped over your own feet I said no I somebody tripped me so as I'm getting up and I'm on the jet sideline as I'm getting up the minute I cross the 50 yard line I guess they were replaying it in MetLife. And I just remember seeing Coach Sperano, Coach uh, Rizzi, our special teams coach, just hauling on the field. I mean, they were about to go and rip one into Rex Ryan, and they were pissed. The rest are trying to get them back. And I look up, and I just remember seeing the replay. Like, I told you guys. And I'm like, that's, that's crazy. And then, you know, just uproar after that. We ended up winning the game, and I think once – the team saw it because those guys went to bat for me after the game. I heard those interviews, but you know, after that kind of sparked us to really dominate them. But out, it was the after effect that you know everybody was talking about, it, and we're always going to be connected. But the one thing I will say to add into that, I had my first career pick, so I don't want people to forget that. And I thought it was probably one of my best picks of my career because people still use it. And I've seen on teach tape from other DBs, they've used that for teach tape and I take pride in that, but nobody really remembered that part of it because of Sal doing what he did. But, you know, it's all fun and games. It's, it's jokes now because it happened. It is what it is. As long as I didn't have a career threatening injury, I'm fine. Yeah. You picked up Mark Sanchez. Uh, you mentioned Darren Rizzi. So as a fan, we see him on the sideline. He is loud and red <laughs> and crazy. I, I've been coaching my son since he's in, uh, he's five years old. He's in eighth grade now. So I'm about to let him out the nest and go to high school. My volunteering uh-huh. days are done. It's my last year. I'm known for being very loud and, uh-huh. and the kids getting pumped up. As a professional, though, I'm coaching 13-year-olds. 
as a professional, does that get a little old or is that motivating still to have a coach uh, be that intense? It's motivating. Uh, I'll tell you right now, because people see Rizzy and they just see this intense guy that's always yelling, but in actual, he's like that the entire time in meetings, walkthroughs, practice, games, after games, at events, but he's a good dude. He's a guy that genuinely cares. And a lot of special teams coaches are like this that I've seen. They generally care about the players on the team because we spend the most time with them more than we do our position coaches. And he knows where guys fit in the different pieces. He was a guy that taught me, realistically, him and Dave Fipp were guys that taught me how to play special teams and how to consistently be well with it. And I was able to use that to my advantage in my career. And I played as long as I did because that added value of special teams. But it's a credit to him and his time and his energy to really show me how to do it because I never knew how to play special teams when I came in as a rookie from uh, Maryland. And he took me really under his wing. He showed me how to do it. And at the time he was there, I think he was the assistant uh, special teams coach with Bonamago. He was the head guy. So he really took me under his wing and showed me exactly what I needed to do to be successful in this league and, and earn playing time on the field. So he, even though he yells and does all these things, he, it comes from a place of actually caring. And he wants us to be as perfect as we can be to make plays because he feels like special teams is just another piece of the pie that can help us win games. You know, we were, we're actually tops in a lot of categories for the years that I was there that we, we really, we changed the tide of a lot of games. We put points on the board because of special teams. So it's not just special teams and your second tier on the team, special teams, you consider yourself as a defensive starter, an offensive starter. You can change the trajectory of any game by how you play in one snap on special teams. Now I just picture Darren Rizzi ordering Chick-fil-A and screaming his order. <laughs> yeah, imagine that guy opening Christmas presents. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's got to be terrifying and exciting all at the same time. <laughs> yes, and I won! Socks! Yes! Socks! You know, it's just it's 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 got to be intense. Uh, we're talking to Nolan Carroll here. He's got so much going on. I was talking to Nolan a little bit off the air. He, he's one of these most interesting men in the world kind of guys. He's got so many things. I even said it, Nolan. Football might be like the fifth most interesting thing you've got going on in your career. So I want to hear about everything you got going on but i found this bit of trivia and i think miami dolphins fans everywhere are going to um, appreciate this you were a fifth round pick mm-hmm. um i think rashad jones was the fifth fifth round pick zach yep. thomas was a fifth round pick and the reason why you were a pick for the miami dolphins was actually because of a trade so it was actually a 49ers pick and uh do you know who was traded in order for us to get that fifth round pick i'll let you go ahead and answer your own piece of trivia again Ted Ginn Jr. was traded from the Miami Dolphins to the San Francisco 49ers. And in return, we got Nolan Carroll, who uh, had just an amazing – you were part of one of the better special teams units for the Miami Dolphins. You guys really did turn that around, you, Darren Rizzi, and everyone else. So uh, not a bad trade. I mean, if you have to trade Ted Ginn <laughs> and you get a draft pick back, you get somebody like Nolan Carroll, that's uh, that's a pretty damn good trade as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I don't think it was bad, and, and we actually – Ted and I went head to head a few times and once when I was in Miami. So if you want to look those stats up, you can really see how it paid off. So there you must go. be good no. if you're bringing it up. <laughs> I'm going to call Ted after the show and say, Nolan's talking crap, man. What, uh, <laughs> what, what I say you No, just kidding. Um, so we are here towards the end. You got so much going on. In fact, if you're watching this right now, you can see that Nolan's in his car. You're getting ready to go to practice right now. So talk about what you're doing uh, in Jacksonville, Florida right now, as we speak. And then uh, before you go, I want to get a game prediction for this weekend against the Patriots. But uh, talk about everything you got going on here, because I already teased it. Let everyone know what you got. 
Yeah. So my brother and I decided to create our own junior college in our hometown of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And we felt like it was imperative to help the community out. I've always seen my mother. She was a, a politician. She was somebody that was lieutenant uh, governor of the state of Florida. So I saw how she served people. I saw how she always wanted to help people. And it rubbed off on me because I was always trying to find ways to give back to my community. And it just so happened with everything that went on in 2020 and football, high school football kids, a lot of them didn't get the opportunity to get a scholarship or show their talents on film. And many of them are just at home. And my brother brought this to my attention to be that solution for it. So we decided to start our own football program. He already has basketball going on at the at our junior college. It's called Jacksonville Athletic Academy. Well, football is something I took on because I've lived it. I've experienced every tier of it from seeing how owners react, seeing how coaches react, seeing how position coaches are, seeing what a good team looks like, seeing what a bad team looks like, seeing what the routine is on a day-to-day -day basis of being an NFL player. And that's the same experience I want to bring to these players because a lot of them weren't taught the fundamentals of football. And many of them are down in the dumps because they feel like they've been overlooked. And I want to be able to give them that opportunity to showcase their skills at least for another year to get film, get that resume out there so they can be scouted by college teams because you never know who's watching. You never know who needs somebody. And you can always get that gem on a team that you would never expect. And I've put my all into this. I've put my whole focus into this because I really want these kids to excel and succeed. And you never know where it'll take them in life. But the one thing I do know is once they leave this academy, they'll be equipped for things on and off the field, whether it's how to prepare for a game, whether it's how to, you know, build your own LLC, how to file your own taxes, you know, how to basically play a high level of football. So when you do decide to go somewhere else, go into the workforce or you get a division one scholarship, two, three, whatever it is, you come in right away and you can contribute. Because if you look at the numbers, especially in the SEC, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State all have at least eight or more junior college guys that are on their team right now. So they're looking for guys that want to contribute immediately. And the best way to really do that is to prepare at a high level so that when you do come in, bam, you have your opportunity to go and you know exactly what you need to do against high level teams and high level competition to be able to continue your, your athletic career. So what we're trying to do is just create better men. You know, they come in as, as teenagers, 18, 19 year olds. And, you know, in two years, I want them to leave and be able to be successful and say, hey, look, I can do this. I believe in myself. I have this ability to compete with everybody in the nation, and I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to strive for greatness, whether football works out or it doesn't. So, you know, we're really trying to change the culture as far as how junior colleges are in the state of Florida, because you see Texas, you see Louisiana, you see California, they have their own leagues within the state. And that's what we are actually trying to do here as well. But we wanted to start in our hometown and then we're trying to, uh, partner with other schools that are inside the state of Florida and build this conference and make it, make it really successful just to help these kids. Absolutely. That's awesome. And uh, beyond the coaching and beyond what you're doing there, which uh, I mean, that's that, that alone is a full-time job. Um, <laughs> you've got, uh, what is it? YOLO rum. You've got, uh, talked a little bit about YOLO rum then talk about your other podcast. Cause you got, you got your own podcast outside of football, outside of everything else. And then, mm -hmm. uh, and then we got to put feet to the fire. We got to figure out dolphins and Patriots from the man himself. Yeah, so Yellow Rum was something that I invested into right after I retired. And I'm Caribbean, I'm a daddy and a Bahamian. And I wanted to always be a part of 
wine, liquor, the spirits industry, I always wanted to feel like I wanted to have my own brand. And when this opportunity came for me to be a part of Yolo Rum, I jumped on it. And just from everything we have from intellectual property to connections to, to just the brand awareness itself, it's a great brand that's won many awards. We just won another, we're up to 33 international awards right now. So obviously we're doing something right and it tastes good and it's gluten-free, sugar-free. And I just like to continue to build this. This is a legacy thing. This isn't just something where taking pictures with a drink, you know, we're actually trying to build a brand and expand this thing. So where you see it at a restaurant, you see it at a nightclub, you see it at an event, you see it at a stadium, you know, okay, Nolan Carroll's behind this or Yolo Rum, the brand, Phil, Jennifer Carroll, Sam Wiggins, or yeah, Sam and Wiggins, John, all these guys that are a part on the board, we've all taken place to build Yellow Room the way it is, just like you see Ciroc, just like you see Hennessy. We want to be able to be up there with those top competitors and, and really show people how to enjoy rum because it's something that is very good if you really take the time to really sit down and taste it. Uh, so that's what I'm doing with rum. You know, my podcast is called Conversations with Carol, and I wanted to be able to do something that was comparable to show people that a football player has the same daily, basically adversities as any regular person that's never played in on an NFL team before. I've had women that are business owners. I've had lawyers. I've had politicians, uh, best friends, former athletes that have all come on my show. And the one, the same constant variable is they've been hit with adversity, but this is what they did next. They didn't just wallow in pity. They didn't just say, oh, man, it's not going to work for me. It's not going to work out. They pushed through. They continue to work. They continue to have that belief in themselves to create their own brand, to create their own entities to where now people are looking and they're like, wow, this is something I never saw coming there and overnight success. And that's not necessarily the case because when people see football players, they just think, oh, he's naturally gifted. He's naturally talented. There were many hours that we had to spend just to get to that one point that you guys are seeing on TV. That one play is not just that one play. That was over 10,000 hours worth of film, injuries, you know, miscommunications, mistakes in practice to lead to that one play for us to make it. So it's for everybody else's enjoyment. And that's the same thing I want to do with my podcast. And I've learned a lot from the guests that I've had on. I've been able to use what they've taught me and implement it to my daily life. So on podcasts, it's, it's out of the norm. It's not necessarily with sports. We're not announcing scores and predictions and all this stuff like I'm about to do. It's just more of life and the perspective of life and how you're able to have that confidence in yourself to take that next step to, to basically accomplish your goals and dreams. I love that. All right. Well, he's Nolan Carroll. He's uh, he's got practice to get to. So before he goes, the last thing we got for you here is uh, feet to the fire, AFC East opponent week one, new England Patriots with Mac Jones, Miami dolphins with Tua Tunga Bailoa, Alabama quarterbacks collide mm-hmm. who you got and by how much. I got the Dolphins. I got them 33-27. 33-27. Now, is this a come-from-behind victory, or are we, uh, we getting out in front and kind of playing defense, or, or how do you see this game playing out? I just think we're getting out in front, and you hit the nail on the head. They're gonna The whole headline is going to be Alabama quarterbacks going at it, and I just feel like one is more equipped than the other right now. I just think even though the Patriots did get pieces, they did spend money in the offseason, I still feel like the Dolphins quietly built a fine foundation this year and going forward with the guys that can really make plays and and change the tide. I just think they're not going to get behind. It's not the Dolphins of old where we're going to go to New England and 
bam, to get on top of us early. And now we're in a hole. I really feel like we're going to go up there focused, motivated, and we're going to put points on the board early. If we get the ball first, I just imagine we're going to score first. And then, look, it might go back and forth a little bit, but ultimately we will sift away because one guy has played in the NFL longer than the other. And we're going to be able to disguise. We're going to be able to do a, a bunch of different things. you got to remember, Flores was up there. Yeah. Flores knows that this system hasn't changed. He knows the coach. He knows what they're going to do. He knows how they're going to prepare this young quarterback. So all those things do come into effect. And also at the same time, he's taken players from our team. We've taken players from their team. So you got to know there's going to be a bunch of cat and mouse going on within the game. You just got to really, I think, just focus on that. It's, it's more about the coaches making adjustments than it is the players performing. And you have to look at that throughout the game and see how it goes. But 33-27. 33-27. The man played the game at the highest level. He knows what he's talking about. Nolan Carroll, thank you very much for joining us here on Perfectville. Chris, anything you want to say before we let Nolan get on with his life? No, he's mentioned 33 twice, and that's my favorite number, my football number. So thanks, Nolan. Appreciate having you on. This is definitely there for we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely was. Patchvibes.com, ladies and gentlemen, citizens of Perfectville everywhere. Unless you've been living under a rock, you have to know that patchvibes.com is the place for all your Miami Dolphins needs. Shirts, tank tops, patches, stickers, hats, coffee mugs, coffee cups, traveler mugs, anything you can think of that you can slap some sort of creative, awesome logo on. Patchvibes.com has you covered. They even have the Zubaz Pants swim trunks, ladies and gentlemen. Patchvibes is absolutely killing it and because they're killing it and because they're friends of ours here at welcome to perfectville they've given you the promo code perfect that you can put in at checkout with all your patch vibes needs and get yourself a sweet sweet discount on everything in their store so type in the promo code perfect on checkout and get yourself a discount on all that sweet sweet merch patchvibes.com And we're back, Sam Marku, Chris Colon. Welcome to Perfect Bill, Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. And uh, Nolan Carroll, Chris, was I not correct in saying that he is one of the most interesting men in the world? Hey, that dude's so cool. Like we're around the same age, and it makes me feel very uh, uh, inferior that he he like has his own rum with no sugar in it. By the way, like it was a cool name. Uh, coaches train his training starting a college like literally starting an academy uh pretty pretty cool stuff so uh, uh i play video games that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah I, I like the fact that uh, i try to trick him with uh, trivia about himself he knew exactly how he got to the miami dolphins and that was the ted ginn trade and then he went a step further and said why don't you go check the stats one-on-one -on -one from ted ginn and nolan carroll and uh, come back to me so uh, i haven't checked those stats yet but i'm assuming nolan carroll got the better of uh, Ted Ginn in those matchups. At least that's what it sounded like to me. Uh, but he had, he had the Miami Dolphins not only beating the New England Patriots, but dropping over 30 points on the New England Patriots in New England. Just to recap, Nolan Carroll has it 33-27 Miami Dolphins and Tua over the New England Patriots and Fat Jones. Um, and we're here, Chris. It's time. It's segment number three, New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins, week one. Here we go again. Time on the clock. I know you're ready because you're born ready. Let's get into it. Miami Dolphins travel to Boston to play the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and of course that traitor that was on the Miami Dolphins last week, now on the New England Patriots, Mr. Malcolm Perry, giving away all of our secrets, letting it known, oh, gasp, 
that who the play caller is for the Miami Dolphins, and that's George Godsey. Anybody who wasn't blind could tell that George Godsey was actually calling the plays for the Miami Dolphins, despite having co-offensive coordinators. Uh, so many things going into this here. We have the last two Alabama quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Tua Tungavailoa. You've got, of course, the AFC East rivalry here, Chris. You've got Brian Flores, former protege of Bill Belichick, now with the Miami Dolphins in, in year number three. And you have just the history of the Miami Dolphins and New England Patriots splitting division games. Usually we win in Miami. They win in New England. They won in New England last year, week one. Uh, we won later that year uh, against the New England Patriots. I There's so much going on here, Chris, that we just have to jump into. Uh, just give me your overall feeling, your excitement, your trepidation. What do you think going into week one, heading into this weekend, late game, excuse me, late game on Sunday? Hopefully that's not an omen for how we're going to perform on Sunday. Uh, smell bad too. <laughs> it's just Mac, Mac and cheese, right? Mac and Jones, Mac, Mac, uh, Mac and cheese is what Ken Newton called him. Yeah. This is, this is such an interesting game. I feel confident and I'm not sure if I should um, because I felt confident going into week one before um, Bill Belichick has probably some ridiculous week one record. You give him weeks to prepare, especially this year without that fourth preseason game, they literally started preparing for us probably, immediately after their third preseason game. So um, it, it, it's one of those things where I feel good, but they got a lot of talent, you know, linebackers, things like that, uh, or I'm sorry, tight ends that our linebackers are going to have to worry about um, and, and a good defense with guys coming back that a lot of people forgot, like uh, that are coming back um, like the middle linebacker and, and, and safety. So it, it, I'm cautiously optimistic because we have added pieces as well. Tua looks better. We have weapons that didn't shine in preseason, but were in training camp. If you're paying attention, like Albert Wilson and um, and Hunter Long, guys that are I think going to step up and have big games, and they weren't even like thinking about. Because think about Bill Belichick. What does he want to do, Sam? He wants to take away your best player, maybe two. So they're going to take away Gasecki. They're going to try to take away Parker. Well, then it's time for Williams and Wilson and and Waddle and Hunter Long and Gaskins to step up. I really think there's going to be a guy tier two type player that's going to have a big game for us. But I, uh, I agree with uh, Mr. Roland Nolan. Uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. What say you? Yeah, I am too. I, I think the Miami Dolphins are uh, prepared more this year to go up to New England and beat the Patriots than they ever have been. And I know I've said that year after year after year, but if you look at what the Miami Dolphins have done and you look at how they've built this roster, it really is to play Two to a tongue of my lowest strengths, right? We've got 75 tight ends. He does great in 12 personnel. Uh, we have a, a bunch of weapons that weren't available to us last year in the wide receiving room. We understand who our running back is and what his strengths are with Miles Gaskin. And that's not even our strength of this team. The strength of this team is special teams and defense. And oftentimes, like Nolan Carroll said, uh, that can put points on the board, that can change a game. Uh, from being a loss to a win or vice versa. So I think we're set up pretty good there. I, I love our defense going up against a rookie Mac Jones. This guy is not going to beat us with his feet, which is a, something that has traditionally hurt us. Even last year when we played Cam Newton week one, he beat us on the ground. They almost had 200 yards rushing, and a lot of that came from the quarterback position. I don't even think Mac Jones, even if we didn't feel the defense, could figure out how to rush for 200 yards. It's just not going to happen. He'd get winded and fall over after three yards. So I think that part of the game is not going to be an element for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, that being said, you cannot discount the Patriots. You cannot discount Bill Belichick, especially when he's got at least two weeks to prepare. And really, where I'm concerned, where I think this could be you know, a possibility to be 
backwards for the Miami Dolphins is actually on the other side of the ball. We have some issues with our offensive line, as you know, as everyone knows. The defensive front for the New England Patriots is sneaky good. It's one of those things that no one's really talking about. But when I start to look at who the uh, the New- Miami Dolphins have to block on that line, you're talking about Dante H- Hightower. You're talking about Matt Judon. You're talking about Devon Godchow, Lawrence Guy, and of course, Kyle Vannoy. I mean, you've got a lot of guys on this front seven that can get to the passer that are talented and some of those guys played here last year so or the year before. They understand. They want to get after Brian Flores. <clears throat> they want to get after the Miami Dolphins. They're going to be motivated, especially somebody like Kyle Vannoy, to actually get uh, you know into the backfield and make some changes, make some plays, uh, and, and be noticed by their former team. So I think that's where the game is really going to be settled here, Chris, is in between you know our offensive line and their defensive front seven. I think we can actually take on their cornerbacks and safeties. I think Tua Tungavailoa, if he has time to throw, can start to pick apart the back end of this defense. It's just a matter of can they block long enough to keep Tua upright and allow him to make those decisions. I don't know. That's where the game is going to come down to, for me anyways. Yeah, Tua has to get rid of the ball and now. Like that's the way we, we that their pass rush is is scary good. Uh, I, I don't even think Sneaky's the like those guys are ballers and Hightower is one of the ones I was talking about that sat out due to COVID last year. That's coming back. It's gonna be fresh, um, and I think a former Alabama guy as well. So uh, you know you got all these Alabama guys running around. Uh, Tua's game is gonna have to be hitting the quick slants, hitting Gaskins out of the backfield, um, allowing that pass rush to get get in deep, and then throwing it over the top. Um, it's going to be absolutely one or loss based on if we can control the clock, control the ball, and get a little run game going as well. Um, and that's going to be with our offensive line, which is a little makeshift at the moment. You mentioned, mentioned, uh, mentioned easy for me to say, Austin Jackson and, uh, and other kind of pieces together that we've brought in this offseason. So that's going to be the name of the game. I think our defense will always keep it close. Um, a lot of this to me is going to be if we get some turnovers, you know, if defensively we can come out, if you look at a game, I'm going to really compare this to because Mac Jones hasn't played in the NFL yet, but I'm going to go ahead and compare him to somebody and he might be way better than him, but he hasn't played in the NFL yet. But what I saw in college and how I see him physically, as far as traits go, I see a lot of Jared Goff and look what we did to Jared Goff against the Rams last year. We just absolutely were in his lap. Every play, zero blitzes, not afraid of his arm because it wasn't the biggest arm in the world. Same thing with Mac Jones. And this guy wants to read the field and progress. That's not going to happen if we got Ogba, Jalen Phillips, and Christian Wilkins in his lap in the two to three seconds. So if we can come out, bring pressure, force Mac Jones in some bad throws, bad decisions, fumbling you know, in the pocket, things like that, because we don't have to worry about his feet, like you said, that's where we can really win this game, even if we don't play 100% great on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the New England Patriots are going to try to run the ball and they're going to try to dump it off to Hunter Henry and Jonah Smith as quickly as they possibly can. They don't want Mac Jones sitting back there because Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips, and any of those uh, pass rushing uh, linebackers that we have or blitzing safeties, if they hit him early, I think you start to see Mac Jones get some happy feet. Not fast feet, not feet that can actually move, but at least some happy feet. And he's a rookie, right? So if you want to, if you want to, put your stamp on this early again we play the buffalo bills week two and we're not looking ahead but you have to come out of this two game stretch at least one and one right and i think it's an easier win in new england than it is for buffalo buffalo is a very stacked team we'll talk about them next week but you have an opportunity to come out right now and not end the patriots season because one loss does not win or you know does not make a season but jumping out of the gate starting one and oh 
in your division is such a huge, huge benefit for the Miami Dolphins. You can't win this division. You can't go to the playoffs unless you win your divisional games. That's why it's so big and so important for the Miami Dolphins to come out early. I think you start to see some really specialized and just creative defensive schemes. I think you go up there, whether it's the amoeba defense or something else, you try to scheme early, confuse the crap out of Mac Jones, make sure he makes a mistake because you have Xavier Howard who can pick it off just about anywhere. You have Byron Jones who's going to capitalize on that. Eric Rowe uh, going against going against those tight ends, I think is going to be a key matchup. Eric Rowe versus Hunter Henry and or Jonu Smith. That might make or break whether or not the Patriots can actually score and move down the field or not in this game. Uh, who is one player on offense and one player on defense you are looking forward to the most for the Miami Dolphins in this game there, Chris? Uh, for me, I'll start defensively. You mentioned Rowe. I'm going to go his counterpart and I'm going to say Javon Holland. I think this is the kind of guy that didn't play last year due to COVID in college that has just a knack for getting the football and getting his hands on it. He's athletic. The veterans are talking about how he's looked in practice, how fast he is, how mu- how quickly he closes on the ball. And he just has a, a just a maturity about him mentally when it comes to the, the game itself, where he like almost knows where the ball is going before the play gets there. And that's as a rookie, man. Um, we didn't see him at all or a lot in, in, in preseason. We just heard a lot of rumblings in training camp. I think that's one guy to look for on defense offensively, I mentioned the Parker and the Williams and the Gasecki and even Gaskins. I'm looking for Jalen Waddle here. I think he's going to have one of those games where what is something that New England and the Patriots always have? That quick little guy that's going to burn you in the slot. You know, it's going to hit you, go five yards, find the soft spot in the zone and get the first down. The only difference with Jalen Waddle compared to those slot guys for New England, he can run a 4-2-40 and then still score after a five-yard first down. So this guy's going to get involved, I think, in um, and Wilson as well. But really, Waddle, I'm looking forward here to those jet screens, jet sweeps, quick outs, uh, stop and goes, anything after a couple of short gains to really take the top off this. And Bill Belichick has to absolutely account for that speed. And if you start bringing guys eight in a box – all of a sudden you can throw it up to Parker or get beat deep by somebody like Waddle or uh, Wilson. Yeah, I think a short passing game is going to compensate for a running game that may be subpar for the Miami Dolphins. And it's interesting that we are finally looking forward to wide receiver screens and bubble screens, considering how awful that was for us in years past when Adam Gase was our head coach. But with the talent and the personnel we have now, it makes total sense. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty bad when you're throwing them to Brian Hartline. But if you're throwing them to Jalen Waddle, it's a little different. Yeah, it's a little bit different there, but uh, so you're you're keeping an eye on the rookies, Javon Hall and Jalen Waddle. Uh, I'm going to go with Emmanuel Ogba. That's the guy nice. I'm looking forward to on defense. Well, for everything we just talked about, Mac Jones, if he gets hit early, if he gets pressured early and often, and Emmanuel Ogba is our best guy in the clubhouse to do that, I think that creates a lot of problems for Mac Jones and this New England Patriots offense for the rest of the game. So I need Emmanuel Ogba to get off early and get off often. Yeah, baby. That's my guy on defense right there. On offense, I'm not going to recreate the wheel here. I'm going Tua Tungavailoa. This offense will be good if Tua Tungavailoa can stay upright. He's shown that he's got a good pocket presence. He knows how to move in the pocket. He's making good decisions, not only in preseason, but also in training camp and practice in general. We just have to keep him upright. If we can keep him upright, keep that talented defensive line away from the uh, from the Miami Dolphins quarterback, I think he's going to find the Jalen Waddles. He's going to find the Miles Gaskins. He's going to figure out when he needs to throw to Devontae Parker. He's going to figure out when he needs to tuck and run. He's going to figure all of that out. He's smart enough. He looks good. Like Nolan Carroll said, he looks like a completely different player now that he's had the opportunity to be around his teammates understand who they are, know how fast they can be, who can do what, who can't do what, and just all the things that make a quarterback a quarterback. Those are my two guys, Emmanuel Agba on the defense, 
And then you've got Tua Tungabailoa on offense. So those are our guys. You've got Javon Holland. You've got <clears throat> Jalen Waddle. I've got Tua Tungabailoa and Emmanuel Agba. We'll circle back next week and just see if our highlighted players did what we expect them to do. Uh, that being said, Chris, it's time. We need to get it on paper. We need to figure out who's winning and by how much. I'm going to give you the honors. Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, 125 kickoff from the Pacific side, 425 on the eastern side. Who wins this game and by how much? Yeah, it's going to be a long Sunday. Uh, one of the many reasons I took them following Monday off because uh, those games, the day just drags. Those one o'clock games will be exciting. It's uh, the football's in the air. Um, I don't see this uh, when this kicks off. I don't see this being a high-scoring game. I don't see it. I don't see anybody getting in the thirties like uh, Nolan Carroll does. Respectfully, I mean, hopefully we're wrong and he's correct, and we're the ones in the thirties. I see this being uh, us getting the first team to get three scores really, uh, you know, takes away the game. I see us winning this one, 24-17. It's going to be close. Bill Belichick, I don't think, is going to get blown out. I think Mac Jones will make a couple good plays that make us scratch ahead and go, shit, is he going to be okay? And then he's going to make some boneheaded plays where you're like, oh, that's a rookie. I expect that fully. Um, But in my opinion, it's just like one of those things where uh, we're going to come out, we have the better uh, veteran leadership, and we're going to take this one 24-17. Yeah, I could see both sides of this coin. I can see why Nolan Carroll sees us getting 30 plus points. I can see how this could be somewhat of a low scoring game as well. Um, I'm not scared necessarily of the New England Patriots offense until they can prove that a rookie quarterback can come into this league and go up against this defense. Um, I'm not scared of it. I think our defense is better than their offense, and I think that's going to suppress the score a little bit, at least for the New England Patriots. My concern, as I already talked about, is whether or not our offense can get going based on our offensive line in that defensive front for the New England Patriots. So I can understand it being a low-scoring game because of that. Now, here's what I do think is going to happen. I think it's going to be a higher-scoring game, but it's going to happen in the second half of this game. I think we're going to come out a little slow. I think both sides are going to try to figure out you know, what they can do and what they can't do and then recalibrate at halftime and come on out. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring game going in to halftime, but coming out of halftime – I see the Miami Dolphins adjusting. I see them trying to ultimately figuring it out, cracking the code and being able to just drop points on it, whether it's field goals, whether it's a defensive score, whether it's a special team score or ultimately offensive scoring, which is what we need. I see the Miami Dolphins actually winning this game 27 to 13. That's my official score. I think we end up beating them by two scores. And I think it happens late in the game, third quarter, fourth quarter. So you've got a 24-17. I've got a 27-13. Nolan Carroll has a 33-27. He is very high on this Miami Dolphins team. Um, Either way, no matter how you slice it, everybody here, shockingly, has the Miami Dolphins beating the New England Patriots in New England week one of the NFL season. Yeah, what's the point of doing the show if week one you're going to pick a loss? you got to be optimistic at least for week one. Buffalo, if we lose this game, be a little bit different story. We'll see. But right now, woohoo, we're oh no, baby. That means we're undefeated, and that means I'm picking us to win, of course. Absolutely. And where are you going to be watching this game here, Chris? Man, same old place here right outside Charlotte, North Carolina, in the uh, aqua and orange painted men, uh, men's room, <laughs> man cave, uh, where uh, we, it doesn't get a lot of use in the offseason, I noticed. It's kind of hot up there. It's above the garage. We don't want to use the sp- uh, space AC unit, but uh, Sunday we'll be in there, everybody wearing their jerseys and their shirts, going crazy, and uh, hopefully celebrating victory. Watching it from the man cave. I will be watching it. This will be my son's first 
opening day. He's uh, going on nice. four months old. Uh, we're actually going to go up to the NorCal Finns fan uh, opening day kickoff celebration in Sassoon City at a restaurant called La Cabana. Uh, I go there every year for week one, just about, and it's always a good time. The we're just going to enjoy ourselves up there, get rowdy, hopefully uh, not scare the little one with all of our yelling and swearing and, and high-fiving and all that fun stuff. But uh, I'll be on the road. I'll be watching this uh, from the great city of Sassoon City, along with about 60 to 75 other Miami Dolphins. And uh, hopefully we walk out of there with some, a little bit of a victory celebration. So there you That's have funny. it. That's funny you said uh, the, about, about the little one. So fun, fun fact, my son was born the end of January 2008 maybe a week later was the Super Bowl where the Giants ended the New England Patriots undefeated season and won. And we were all going absolutely ballistic and he slept through the entire thing. So that's when we knew he was a good one. <laughs> he He's liked a football. good boy. He's a good boy. Future Hall of Famer himself, Mr. Zachary Thomas Cullen. Well, Chris, there you have it. We had ourselves just a fantastic show here today. Uh, we got the Dolphins beating the Patriots here week one, and we will talk about it all next week along with everything else going on in the Miami Dolphins universe. Uh, but until then, enjoy the game this weekend. Make sure you set your lineups in the okayest fantasy football league ever. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? That's it. Good show, man. Let's go week one. Great show week one with nothing else to say on behalf of myself, Chris Cullen, the entire Believe Podcast Network presented by BetOnline.ag and Nolan Carroll. Uh, nothing left to say other than goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.